This episode of Whiskey Ginger is brought to you by Blue Chew. That's B-L-U-E, blue, like the color, chew.com. Go to bluechew.com. If you're having a little bit of trouble downstairs, listen, as we get older, testosterone drops. The manliness goes away a little bit. Or if you just want to go round two, you want some more bulk, you want some more uh, chunk in your junk, you know what I mean? Get it thick real quick. Go to bluechew.com, enter the promo code whiskey, W-H-I-S-K-E-Y, and get yourself a free trial. You don't have to go to a doctor. You don't have to go to a pharmacist. It delivers it to your house in a discreet box. No one will know, even your nosy neighbor, even those package dealers. It'll come on your front porch. You can grab it. Do your thing. I tried it, and I got to tell you something. The Red Rocket got round one, round two, and round three. And by that time, it was a knockout. I knocked out. I passed out because I had fluid loss. So go to bluechew.com, enter the promo code whiskey, try it out. I promise you're going to like it. What's up, Whiskey Ginger fans? Do you want to see the Red Rocket live? Come support live comedy and check me out at these dates. This weekend from June uh, 13th, 14th, 15th, I'm at the Stress Factory in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, June 21, 22, 23, I'm at the La Jolla Comedy Store. Uh, Then July 11th, 12th, and 13th, Comedy Off-Broadway in Lexington, Kentucky. 18, 19, 20, Sacramento Punchline. I'm in Montreal, Canada, uh, the last week of July. The first week of August, I'm in the St. Louis Helium. Come out and see your boy. In here, we pour whiskey, 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 whiskey. Oh, that creature in the ginger beard. Sturdy and ginger. Like vampires, the ginger gene is a curse. Gingers are beautiful. You owe me $5 for the whiskey and $75 for the horse. Gingers are hell no. This whiskey is excellent. Ginger. I like gingers. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Whiskey Ginger. My guest today is one of my favorite people on earth. I say that for all my guests, but I mean it once again today, Mr. Steve Byrne. Steve Byrne. Hello. Cheers, oh, cheers, hey. cheers. This is a welcome. Cheers. Look at this, huh? Steve brought me liquor, uh, but we're going to have some JMO. Mmm. Old school, huh? Old school. Good old fashioned Jameson. Um, on, uh, on, the, on the podcast, usually we. I switch out what I'm drinking. I don't. Yeah. I rarely drink JMO. You do because it gave me a lot of issues in college. Oh, in college? Yeah, like a lot of issues. I was a beer guy all my life, and then I did this Jameson whiskey tour for for I think two or three years with like Billy Gardell, Danny Bevins, Nick Griffin, and Kreischer. And uh, ugh. I made it through two years of doing the Jameson tour. I never had a drink of of Jameson. They'd send me a case, and you just didn't want it. I never drank it, and then I'm in. They flew us all out to the to Dublin to the distillery. They're like, you got to have one Jameson drink. I was yeah. like, all right, uh, what's the easiest one you have? He goes, the, the president goes, Jameson and ginger. I go, all right, I'll try that. I had 13 that night. I remember <laughs> counting because I was like, this is my 12th. This is my 13th. And I woke up the next day. I didn't have a hangover. And ever since then, I've been a JMO guy. So whiskey and ginger. Literally. That's that. Yeah. That's, that's, that that's, is that's my, that, I am your drink. You are my drink. So, but other whiskey you can't really do? Do you not like other whiskeys? It's like getting a Jack and Pepsi. It doesn't mm. taste the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I got to have... You like JMO. JMO and ginger ale. Wow, that's wild. And if they don't have the ginger ale, I go, give me a Sprite with a squirt of like... Coke sure. Whatever, and you mix Do you it. like ginger beer? You ever had ginger beer? I've had Jameson and ginger beer. People like that too. Yeah. Pe- people have mistaken the name for uh, for that, for Jameson and... Or whiskey and ginger beer. I don't really love ginger beer. I'd rather have uh, ginger ale. So much same. better to... to yeah. So much better to me. But I do get... I get the appeal. I know why people like it. It's just not for me. I had so much trouble with JMO in college. This was like fight syrup, you know, like <laughs> fight, fight syrup. syrup. It is because yeah. because it, it's like Jameson's like rich and it's it's um it's pretty sweet to me to the taste. 
Like yeah. Jack, Jack is sweeter. Right. Jack is way too sweet for me. I know people at home fucking love, like a lot of the fans like love Jack. People that comment like what we're drinking week mm-hmm. to week. I like Jack, but it's very sweet. I can have it in very small doses. But this is like, it's it's rich and sweet and clean. So you can have a thousand of them. Yeah. So that's why I like, I like different whiskeys that make me slow down. Like I could, I could finish this, this, this afternoon yeah. and then go, you know, drive to shows tonight. Really? I shouldn't, <laughs> but I easily could. There's a thing called Uber. Nah. <laughs> it's so bad. But for some reason, JMO is just so easily consumable that it got me in a lot of trouble in college. I would drink a ton of it. It was so easy. It's also affordable. Like, it sounds like it's sponsored by fucking JMO. But it, it's it it just it, it's just too. It was too simple for me, and uh, I just I stay away from it because I can have two. You know, it's kind of like how light beers. Like yeah. my family back home in Chicago, they could drink nineteen Miller Lights. You know, right? right. And you, and then you gain five pounds. Yeah. And you don't really get drunk. Chicago's Do you know what I mean? The worst city to drink in, though. Because best you got, city, you mean? Is that the is yeah? That what but you're like like in terms of like your waist expanding. Oh yeah. Italian beef. Uh, you got you got your wiener circle. You got yep. your Portillos. Yeah, Portillos you got your is the best. Well, every, you, oh you you you're from Pittsburgh. From Pittsburgh, or, but I lived in Bucktown for two years. Oh, you did in Chicago. Yeah. Um, Pitts, but but Pitt's a very hardcore blue collar industry drinking city too. That's sure. not like a healthy town by any means. No, but Chicago I think takes it up a notch. Yeah, with, we're yeah we're over the top. <laughs> you get with the deep dish like Pittsburgh. We're known for the Permanti Brothers sandwich, which is essentially Permanti's, right? Permanti. Somebody yeah. took me there. Yeah, phenomenal. It's so good. Coleslaw, French fries, whatever deli meat you want coming hot off the grill, Oof. pressed in the bread, uh. and I, I have two of those, and I'm like, I'm done. This is That's great. it. Yeah. yeah. It's that is that your go-to when you go back to Pitt? I let me tell you this. I was just in Pittsburgh for two and a half days. That's two, four, six, uh, seven, eight meals, right? Yeah. I had I had five of my meals at Permani Brothers. <laughs> I it was crazy. I was there for New Year's Eve, like for five days, because you know New Year's was like on a Tuesday. Yeah. So you had to do Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh uh, yeah, right, Sunday, right, right. And then you had Monday off and then two. I ate there six days straight. I was at Permani Brothers. Do they know you? Are they like Steve? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah, you're yeah, yeah, yeah you're a local yeah. legend over there. But it's it's fucking phenomenal. It is, huh? And, and after like a night of this, yeah, well, that yeah, just soaks it all up. Mm-hmm. It's like night, night. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite. Well, when I go home, my favorite go to. You're right. We do take it up a notch in Chicago. My favorite is Portillos. I've talked about it a million times. It's my fucking absolute favorite meal. So when I I'm leaving, I like hot dogs that snap when you bite. Yes, oh, do they have to be crisp? That's the whole the point. That the outside snap of a hot dog really tells you how quality the meat is and how well done it was made. Yeah, it's it, it's so small and stupid, but it's it's very on the nose and specific. It's you don't like, get that at Cheats. No, you don't. No, yeah. <laughs> like like out here they have Pink's hot dogs in L.A. That's like a big thing. No thanks. Exactly. Exactly, dude. Big thumbs down. Yeah. Fuck that place. People wait in line for like. Uh, for like hours and hours just to get a fucking shitty Pink's hot dog. Here's like going to Times Square and going to Red Lobster. It's like, yeah, why, why the fuck would you do that? Why? There's a Red Lobster right here. Go yeah. right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to Times Square. <laughs> but in Chicago, my favorite thing at Portillo is to get, I'm, I get hot dogs over the years. When I was yeah. a kid, that was like the go-to. But Italian beef wet with, with pepper, sweet and hot. Yep. And if you really want to fat the fuck out, if you go to Chicago, go to Portillo's and go get yourself a combo. Italian beef, Italian sausage. They put a fucking Italian sausage inside the Italian oh, shit, beef. Oh, I never got that. It's a lot, dude. It's it's one of those things when you're like, you're done eating yeah. and on the, in the car ride home, you're like nodding off like a fucking heroin <laughs> addict, you know? The meat naps. Oh, dude, yeah. it's so bad. I would get the meat sweats and I would get home to my parents' house and just feel like it was worth it, but also your body is like, come on, dude. 
we can't this is we're gonna die this is a bad idea yeah when you lived in bucktown you were there for how many years i was there for two were you were you doing school or life or what were you doing no life i was i was in la for a long time yeah and then i was just like i'm just a road guy at the time i was never auditioning and my friend vince vaughn lives in chicago lived in chicago vince vaughn if anybody know look him up he's a phenomenal um he's a he is a um, a puppeteer. What is that called? He's like a um, yeah. He's uh, he's into craft work and yeah. crafts and yeah. Yeah. Um, he, one day he'll make it. Goods. That guy. One day he'll pop. Yeah. He's a nice guy. But a good local kid, right? Vince Vaughn, hero um, of Chicago. So I was going to visit him all the time, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'd just fly into Chicago. I'm like, why go back to LA when I'm in Cleveland? I'll just go hang in Chicago for three days. Smart. So he lived at the Palm Olive, which is the old Playboy Mansion, the first two, two oh, yeah. top floors. So I used to go and just crash with them. And I was my wife and I were. I think we. No, we were dating at the time. He's like, why don't you guys just move here? And I, w- I was talking to my wife. I was like, Am I w- maybe we should just move here. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, just stay with me until you find a place. So my wife and I lived with him and his wife for like two months. And then we found a place in Bucktown. It was to this day one of the best places I ever lived in. It was so fun. It was really cool. It was like everything you wanted in a place at that time when right. I was younger. Didn't have any kids. And, uh, and I lived by... <laughs> So my, my building was here. There's a McDonald's right there. It was off the blue line, yeah. uh, the Western. Oh, yeah. That took me right to the airport. So it's perfect. And there's a McDonald's right there. And when the real estate agent was showing us the place, he's like, now, you know, some people consider this, uh, you know, not a benefit to the to the, uh, to the the condo, but there's a McDonald's right there. I was like, uh, that's a bonus. Huge, huge. And so I got to know them at McDonald's. So I get ripped and get shredded, right? And then... um. <laughs> I would go to McDonald's and knock on the door because I didn't have a car at two in the morning. Yeah. You need a car, right? In right, the for the drive through right. So then I'd right. just knock on the window and go, uh, Steve, okay, what do you want? I'm like, nuggets. <laughs> it's just the fucking Steve, greatness. what do you fucking yeah. want? You know, you know exactly what I want. You know what yeah. I want. By the way, that's that's in college we used to, because we would skateboard to like Jack in the Box and all that stuff mm. that was nearby. And because you don't have a car, we would offer to buy somebody's food in a car and it worked almost every time but once in a while you get someone that's like I'm not no I'm not ordering for you you're like I'm paying for your fucking meal hey fuck face I'm, I'm showing them cash yeah. it's not like we're trying to rob you it's like I'll buy your meal please just we, they won't let us inside because we're drunk blacked out yeah. college kids and people once in a while would be like no no thank you and roll up the window and you're like I just I fucking was gonna give swear. you a free meal you're drinking and driving I'm yeah. trying to sober you the fuck up. Like no one is getting Jack in the Box at 3.30 sober in a, ever, ever, yeah. ever. So I was like, well, you're going to get a DUI and you're missing out on a free fucking meal. I'm so not going to call the cops on you, fucker. Yeah, I'm yeah. on the phone. I'm just like, yeah, you want to, you don't want to, okay, you let's play do games? this. Okay, let's play let's, games. Let's play a game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's right. It's a Honda Civic. Yeah, just light her the fuck up. No, but I, um, I, but I. So you know Whirly Ball. Yes, yes. The greatest. Yes. I, I would explain it to my friends like what the fuck and then you get a group of 10 yep. and we go and it, like literally it was the fucking funnest tell these kids what it is tell people what Whirly Ball is Whirly Ball I've never seen it anywhere else but it's only in Chicago yeah and it's basically a basketball court with a metal floor mm-hmm. with bumper cars on it then you get like the old trackball rackets which is lacrosse technically but when you're younger it's essentially lacrosse yeah, yeah. You, you have these trackball things very few people know that so you have basketball uh, hoops but the hoop is vertical. So you have to scoop your ball up and zing it. And you have to hit the netting and yep. then it releases sound. So it's five aside. You're in bumper cars. The best part. You're in bumper cars, by the way. People, That's the most important part. People kind of think it's like a, uh, no, it's not just a, I'm standing up with a lacrosse racket trying to throw it through a hoop. You're in fucking bumper cars. And it's the best so part. aggressive too. There's a bar before you go in. Yep. And you and your buddies get fucking cranked. Of course. Yeah. 
and then it's no holds barred. Right. And these refs were they're like, oh fuck. They're like, because it's you're you're like literally drilling your friends. I used to so my buddy Dave Bolin, who played on the Blackhawks for a long time, yeah. he'd bring some of the guys from the Hawks, and then Vince would we'd all play. I mean, there were guys taking their racket. If you had a breakaway, you put your hand, I mean, chucking the rackets. I got so many scratches and just throwing the racket, fucking chucking them. And, and totally, it, by the way, there is no rules. There's no there rules. There are fucking no rules. There's, the only, there's only one rule. You got to drink more. Yeah, you have to keep drinking. You have to keep so. drinking. If you stop drinking, you're probably disqualified from the whole game. <laughs> is that, a, in, in lacrosse, are they allowed to throw their racket? They no. can't. No, they can't. Because I've seen when they when they go to like block a shot, yeah. it's okay to hit the stick and let go of the racket at the same time. Totally oh, legal okay. to do. Right. So like if you're hucking to, to stop, you can't just throw it across the field. Hucking. Hucking. If you're hucking to fucking... <laughs> I just yeah. watched, they had like a boys lacrosse on, uh, you know, college oh, lacrosse on age, ESPN. It was like six or seven. It was so oh, hot. Oh, yeah. But, they're, but yeah. they have tops on, but no bottoms. Mm. They just run around. Tight. It's, Tight it's so hot. They're oh, little butts, yeah. dude. Well, I can't wait till I get backlash from this. Catholic Church, the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church. I'm sorry. Catholic, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. We're both Catholic. Were you, yeah, you were raised Catholic, weren't you? Yeah. I see this colada on your ring yeah, finger, by the way. Yeah. Do Got people, do, Dublin, do you think yeah. people know what that is? The old uh, Irish wedding band. Yeah, this is, if it's towards you, you're taken. Towards if it's away me, from you, married. Yeah, that's right. That way, you know, the other way. How do I? Fuck. It's the other way. You're single. Your way so, and yeah. the opposite way. It's just a. It's just a hand with a, friendship, with, love, and loyalty. Those are the. That's, that's what, what it means. The three things. Does your wife so. wear that? My wife does not, but she's like, you know, I was like, fuck, I got, I got married. I never wanted to wear a ring or whatever, but I was like, if I ever wear a ring, I'm wearing the Irish wedding band. Wow. She's like, okay, yeah. So I went to Ireland and got the biggest one I could find, and that's it. That's really fucking cool. Yeah. Plus, I saw Noel Gallagher and Liam Gallagher from Oasis, my favorite band, wearing that when they got married. I'm like, that's what. That's I'm what doing. you want to do. Yeah. Did you see that that documentary about? Fuck uh, yes. Yeah. Supersonic. It's crazy how much. It's crazy. How, I think the public knows to a degree how much tension they've had over the years, mm-hmm. but then you really get in the depths and the throes of like why they have issues, and and it's super sad because I think they were ex- extremely talented as a group and still talented people individually of one another, but. Mm-hmm. Man, what a fucking bummer that they couldn't just work out their issues. Yeah, but I also think it's great that we got what we got. Right, because you know it probably I mean? wouldn't be that good right now. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you, we probably they would probably be trash. I, I say that all the time. I mean, what would last? What can what can last? Yeah, I think I think especially with bands, it's so tough to stay relevant. And, yeah. Because it's like you have your sound. Like I love the Killers, right? But their sound does. It's there, but it do, it does shift and change to a degree. It has and changed I like a all lot. their solo stuff. All those guys. Yeah. Um, and they, you could see the nuances of each one of them and how they combine become the killers. But like Noel and Liam, once they split, Liam did BDI and that kind of wasn't great. And then his last solo album was fucking like a ripper. And I was like, that should have been like the new Oasis album. That would have been great. Right. But then Noel, you listen to his stuff and it's really like incredibly well produced, but it's just not the same. It's yeah. It's different and I still love them, but it's not... It's not the same thing. Yeah. No, yeah. But I feel like that's that's any great band, any 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 group that I really fell in love with. Yeah. There is always one, maybe two albums that I was like, wow, fuck. Who's your band? Is there one or <sighs> No, nah, that's hard. I mean, I can I will say this. Um I I I loved uh, Kings of Leon for a very short period of time and yeah. then there was this weird sex on fire time, you know, that like when they got popular? Yeah, but also I don't want to sound like that guy's like when they got big, but also that really just I don't know. It. I loved some. Some of their stuff is so fucking amazing. Some yeah. of his songwriting is so good mm-hmm. that it's like there. There's a song. I think I've talked about it before, but there's a song called "Cold Desert," unequivocally one of the best songs I've ever heard in my entire life. Right. He has a line in there that says, uh, um, 
He says, uh, fuck, Jesus don't love me. Um, Jesus don't love me. No one ever carried my load. I'm too young to feel this old. And I was like, wow, that's a fucking super pop. I mean, just that line says so much because yeah. Jesus don't love me is a reference to the, his father as a preacher, right. right? An alcoholic who undeniably, whether it was physical and sexual abuse or there's all this vague gray area of how fucked up that family was. Right. And then no one really carried his load, you know, in the sense of like, I didn't have a fucking savior to come save me. Sure, yeah. When the guy who was preaching the word of the Lord was fucking me up. Yeah. And he said, I'm far too young to feel this old. A layer of depth of that lyric of like, one simple line, I'm far too young to feel this old is like, wow, because he's abused his body from drugs and alcohol. Yeah. He's also lived about a million years in one short lifetime because of what he's been through. The band was in turmoil. And long story short, the beauty of this song was when they asked him about that song to put it on the album, apparently he um, he didn't remember recording it because he was so on wow. the sauce. He was so deep on the sauce that he was like, what song? And they were like, that desert song. Yeah. And he was like, I, uh, what, what desert song? <laughs> Dude, they played him the fucking track and he, they played him. He had him. no fucking clue. He, he said, he said, he, I mean, you know, what? who knows who, what the real depth of the truth yeah. is, but um, he said it didn't ring a bell. Like it, it was just like, I that didn't ring a bell. I didn't, I just, that is nothing clicked. Mental. But the song is fucking, inc- I mean, you listen yeah. to it and you're like, oh my God, this says a million things. Sure, yeah. So I think Kings for a short amount of time was one of those bands where they were so powerful. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was incredible. They were incredible to me. They're not my favorite of all time, but they had a moment in time. And then after that, I, I, I'm not, I, I kind of, really? I kind of was like sand. I was like, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, well, yeah, well, you, yeah. You're, you're like, this is amazing. This feels so cool. And then it fell through and my hands. Kinda, and I was like, yeah. I don't really, this isn't that good anymore. Like, it was something was missing at some point. Every time I go out, like, after my show, like, Jake's Saloon in New York City. Yeah. I'll do my show at Gotham. You lived in New York, too? My first seven years were in Manhattan. Okay. Doing stand-up. And so now when I go back to Gotham, like, you know, you call a few friends. They meet up with you after your shows. And right. I go in. I plug in. They always let me plug in my... <laughs> My phone. I love that. I love that bars do that in places like New York. Yeah. Like, go ahead, man. Fuck it. Oasis and Jameson all night. All night long? That's it. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And so they're, the they're whole, your, they're the your pinnacle. Sing, don't look back in anger. And we're like, oh, this is the fucking best. They're your peak band. That's your like, that's the one? My peak band. But uh, ki- uh, The Killers, I'd say, is a, is a very close, if not tying number two. Vegas I born. love The Killers. Yeah. Love them, love them. Love them. They're f- I mean, they're phenomenal musicians. They've had a lot of, they've had a lot of like um, pockets where I was like, wow, dude, they can't miss... They you know what I mean? Pick me up songs, you know, like, yeah. you know, obviously being out here, the ebbs and flows, everything, but you know, there's got a lot of tunes in there that are just like, you know, you hear some resonant issues that he says that it's just like, oh, there's somebody else going through this. And- totally. Yeah, totally. Well, he, I think they're just great songwriters. That's, that's my thing. I've, I've said it before. I don't care. I don't care about the pop song that the band got leaked on. You know what I mean? Like the killer's biggest song was probably that song. Um, Mr. Brightside? Uh, yeah, Mr. Brightside. Yeah. yeah. And I don't really like that song at all. Really? No, there's something about it that maybe it's I've heard it too much. It's played a lot. It, it's, but it's just like at some point, there's so many better songs that obviously weren't going to be the pop version of them. Sure. But that was so easily palatable that I get why it became fucking so huge. Catchy. It was so fucking There's big. very few bands. Like I remember being in Florida in a cab from the airport and I heard Mr. Brightside. And I was just remember sitting in the back. I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. It was one of those where as soon as the DJ was done, it's like, who who did that? Like, what is that? <laughs> what, what, I got to hear that again. Who did that? Who, 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 who makes this? Who makes yeah. sound? Who makes the sound? <laughs> who makes the sound? Who makes the sounds? 
And then I heard it again later on. I was like, it was just when it had come out. I was like, fucking A. That was, and I remember reading this article when they had just come out that I guess Brandon Flowers and um, I think it was Dave Kooning, the guitarist, were at the Oasis concert at the Hard Rock um, when they when Oasis played in Vegas. And I was at that concert and it was kind of like 1,200 people. And to just know that like the killers kind of formed at that concert. I was there seeing wow. my favorite band. My favorite band was being formed there. I was like, fuck, that was That's cool. I got insane. And I met Liam and Noel at the airport going to that concert. And I remember I was so nervous, but I went up to Noel and I'm like, Noel, can I get a, I'm sorry, man, I flew in from New York to see you guys tonight. Can I get a picture? He doesn't even look at me. He just goes, let's get it over with. And he stands up, <laughs> took the picture. And then I'm at baggage let's claim and Liam with. was there. And I went, I went up, I was like, Liam, can I get a picture? I flew from New York for me. He's like, oh, yeah, what, what do you do, man? I go, oh, I'm a stand-up. And he talked to me for 10 minutes about stand-up as he's waiting for his bags. Wow. And it was like one of those surreal moments. Just like I read every article in Q Magazine about this guy. And just, right. I can't believe I'm actually talking to Liam. It was just one of those cool things. And then it was just I thought it would be the opposite. I thought Noel would be the cunty. Sure. Or Liam would be the cunty one. Noel would be the cool one. Yeah. Complete opposite. What do you think it was? Somebody, One of them had a real bad day. I think Noel's just, you know, he's always kind of grumpy, but I think Liam's... Yeah, whenever whenever, um, whenever uh, he's on Howard, it's, you know, like, it's just very telling that there's a lot of deep shit there that, yeah. like, we'll never really know. You can hear some of the stories, but mm-hmm. you'll ne- we'll never really know. Sure, yeah. I think it, there's childhood stuff that they'll never divulge. You know what I mean? Probably, like, yeah. There's, there's secrets that I think people will never really get to hear the real truth of what really happened yeah and why they really kind of have these grudges for each other because to this day they still hate each other right yeah they don't talk um yeah but I mean, they haven't reconciled at all after all these fucking years you're, you're kind of like come on dude yeah at and some all point, the millions and you're gonna die yeah you know i i feel that way about uh, the, the very seldom people that i've had qualms with over the mm-hmm. years you start to let them go whether it's family members or friends and you're like we're gonna die do yeah. i want to die with that thing in the back of my head. Like, what a waste of my fucking time. But I guess that's what I mean. Their shit must run fucking deep. Deep. That's got to go deep. you're still not. Yeah, Yeah, I I agree. With all the the success each of them had together, but then separately you think, you know, I'm pretty happy. I live in a fucking mansion. Yep. I got a gorgeous wife. I got great kids. I've had a great career. What do I have to be upset? It's just like, plus it's such a symbiotic thing. It's like, you wouldn't have been Oasis without him, and he wouldn't have been Oasis. Hundred percent. It's like well, what the yeah. fuck. But well, I, but I, I, we get lost in that. Do you ever sit back and realize? If you want more, by the way, pour some more. No, no, no. I, I, I like pre- how fast yeah. you knocked that. But Let me I, see. I usually the just time? slam them. You, yeah. you do. You're a slammer. I was like, look at it. What do we <laughs> well, do? What I'll do is I'll order JMO Ginger, and yeah. then and then I'll I'll be sitting at the bar, and I'll be uh, whoever's next to me. Just, hey, you want to do a shot with me? It's like yeah. And they'll just and do, do a shot of JMO along with the Jameson Ginger. Look at I'm setting this fucking. I'm setting my timer to see uh, if you can polish another one. Well, look, if I... Have another one. If I didn't have to drive out, you know. What do you do? You're not driving that far. We're not telling people how far you live, but you know, it's, it's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> I just That's, don't want to go home. No, I know, I like, know, I know. Daddy, your your breath smells funny. You Yeah. <laughs> you smell like mommy does when you leave. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> it's always in the afternoon, too. Never at night. That always... So I'm not a big... I'm not a day drinker. I don't yeah. like like having a lot of drinks during the day. I'm... When the sun goes down is my cue. Same. That's when I'm allowed that to... Yes. I go on spring break with my buddies. Yeah. They get schlitzed at three. I'm like, nah. that's amateur hour. I Mm-mm. wait until nine o'clock. Yeah. yeah. I don't mind having a drink during the day like a drink or a thera or something relaxed and loose and yeah. slow. But I have friends that just get fucking bombed all... And I think it's a Midwest thing. I, th- like I think Midwest, East Coast people... Yeah. There's something about day drinking that... Because their days aren't that often like our days, 
that they're like, right. if I can day drink, I'm going to day drink. Yeah. For us, it's like you could hypothetically day drink every day of the fucking year. Yeah, it's almost never not a six months of the year. You have yeah. shit weather. It's like I just got to go to bed and wake right, up tomorrow right. And just do the shit again. I got to so, shove my driveway and shit. Well, that's why in LA, I've talked about this. LA happy hour isn't a fucking. It doesn't exist here. Yeah. Like back home, when I go back home, friends so badly want to meet up and have happy hour because it's like this great communal. Hey, we'll meet at. Sullivan's or whatever and then we'll hang out and then we'll go here and then you know I, you know my buddy lives right up there I miss that sense of community yeah. because we don't do that here it just no. doesn't exist you don't you don't no one meets at a bar afterwards I think the closest thing like we have to that is that comics bar at the store which I love yeah that's just for us but I mean what yeah. about like Joe but like regular people that work regular jobs I just don't think happy hour is that big of a thing in LA I just don't yeah, see it as yeah. much you know like friends that have owned bars or worked like a buddy of mine owns a bar here not too far mm-hmm. and it doesn't pick up until the sun is down every day I mean yeah. there's there's regulars but for some reason in other parts of the country other than California people love happy hour and I do too I can't get tanked, but it's nice to have a beer at the, like the end of the day like that. Sure, yeah. But for some reason here, it's just I, I don't I don't know. I like the culturally, we just don't do that shit. Yeah, here it's probably sushi, right? It's yeah. Like, we oh my god. For some sushi, and let's let's just talk about it. You guys want to go to happy hour and get fucking and hang out with some old friends? <laughs> I'd rather have salmon sashimi <laughs> at four forty. <laughs> it's so fucking annoying. By the way, that's California's done that to me when I travel and I see sushi in, in like you know. Anywhere USA. Yeah. And I'm like, I would never. <laughs> I'm such a fucking snot because I'm like, there's no way it's going to be as good as what we get out here. But, so it, but but of course, it's probably just as good anywhere. Probably just as good. Yeah. I mean, you know, as long as there's like, you know, the Japanese guy doing it. Yeah. But it's like here, there's like. As long hate, as there's the Japanese guy doing it. It's I hate so when true. you go to like Benihana in LA and it's like. Like all these Mexican guys, it's like this is not Benihana. I want the fucking you know because there's like one Japanese guy that probably trained them all. It's like right. I that guy, he'll get the shrimp in the top of the hat. He, right. he knows how to flick it. And, <laughs> you know. By the way, that's called El Benihana now. Los Benihana. Yeah, Los Benihana. <laughs> Welcome to Los Benihanas. Los uh, what you want? You want to see the fucking onion fucking thing? Smoke and shit. You this. You, you're talking about why like eat this a little bit. By the way, eat sorry? this a little. Oh, bit. eat it yeah, a bit more. Yeah. Oh, sorry. There you go. Uh, about sh- about like Chicago being great. I'll tell you how great like Chicago is and why like cities like LA and New York are not. They can't compare because mm-hmm. because I got married at the Lincoln Park Zoo. You got married at the zoo? Yeah, at the zoo. Really? Yeah. That's like that was my whole childhood. I, I grew Bro, up really? down the street from there. Fucking great! Yeah, it was beautiful. It was free so zoo, fun. by the way, for people that don't know. Free zoo. I've never seen the, free the zoos. wedding wasn't fucking free, but no, the, that's right. The zoo is free. No shit. But we go there, and then two of my buddies I met through Vince were cops. So sounds about right. So <laughs> our wedding ends, and you know the Viagra Triangle. There's that Irish pub that's on the opposite end of. Um, I grew up on Dearborn. What's that Irish pub called again? Well, you're talking about. It's by the Barnes and Noble. It's in from the Barnes and Noble. Yeah, you're talking about. Um, uh, uh, um, uh, uh. It'll come to you. No, no, hold on. Um, I feel like I would see my mom go drink there, and I'd watch from like the twenty story window. You know, I'd like look down at my parents going to mom. Yeah, I miss mom. <laughs> well, we had those old like pull in windows. You yeah. know, those old in apartment building windows. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. you could look in and down, but it was you know you couldn't really. But I I remember. Seeing my delinquent parents it's like going Molly to Malone's or something like that. No, it's not Molly Malone's, but there's something like that. Um, God, it's really gonna bother me to, to like no end. But that I lived at Dearborn. Dearborn. That's 
that's literally where I grew up, like yeah. right behind the Vi- Viagra Triangle. Because when I was, I mean, when I used to live there, I, I used to go to Tavern on Rush all the time. Yes. My buddy Scotty runs yes. it. And then down the street was that Irish pub. Why can't I fucking, why can't I fucking. I don't know why it's escaping me either. By the way, it was really funny. You were like, hey, your dog is nice and quiet. And now she's losing it for some reason because there's <laughs> probably the other dog that's out next. Fucking well, while you're looking it up, I'll tell yep, you that. Yep, tell me. We get married. Mm-hmm, we're like, mm-hmm. let's go to that pub. Right. Everybody, like, the DJ's done. It's like, where do we go? Let's go to the pub. So my buddy goes, who's a cop, he goes, he goes, watch this. Makes a phone call. Within two minutes, this paddy wagon pulls up. My wife and I get in it. Vince and his wife get into it. Colin Jost was with me at the time. And really? he was dating Nassim Pedrad from SNL. Oh, right. At the time. And then Peter Billingsley's there. And like one or two other buddies, we all cram into this paddy wagon and get dropped off. So yeah. this paddy wagon pulls up and the lights are on and everything. We, we, you know, there's like those, those roller coaster things. That yeah, 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 yeah. They you in there. And they gun it. And we get there and this thing pulls up. The lights are blaring. And people are like, what the fuck's going on? Is there a bus? Is there a drive? And then my wife, the doors burst open. My wife comes down. I come down. We all <laughs> roll out in this thing. It's just like, you could never do that in any other city. No, no city no would way. ever let that happen. And it's just like, that's one of those kind of like old school cities. Like even when I when I read that book on Farley passing away, yeah. the cops went in and hid everything before the other, the second, the real team kind of came in. So they were hiding the drugs to like protect his legacy, which it's just like, yeah, you know, why not? I get it, but it's like they would get flack for that. But it's kind of like there's an old school charm to that. There's that a I little respect. bit of like, uh, oh, come on, I don't know how to say it, but it's like there's some semblance of like guy's guy nobility. Like, oh, you don't want to fucking, nobody wants to know that, nobody wants to see the gruesome set. It's, it's why Whitney Houston's estate sued. Um, Kanye and Pusha T because Pusha T's album had Whitney a picture of Whitney Houston's bathroom. Right, right, the, yeah. It was just it was it was Low class. It was fucked up. It yeah. was fucked up in a weird. I, like I understand the purpose of art. I'm not fucking numb to understanding why people do sure. certain things, but I don't. I, she was such a brilliant artist. It was like I don't want to know the, the tragedies of her addictions. Like that's really fucking sad. That yeah, it was like I had fucking needles and shit and spoons and ropes and you're like, yeah, man, she had a fucking problem to. To kind of like put that on the map is hurtful. So with the Farley stuff, yeah, like I've heard the rumors that, you know, he was holding on to a, um, a crucifix. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, and I heard man. that that it was put there because to oh, make it seem like he did oh. his last prayer. Yeah. Know. A rosary bead. Sorry, he was holding it. He had rosary beads in his hand. And I heard that that was, you know, whether or not that's true, I think people just, people in that city of Chicago... Take care of their own. Yeah, they try to protect sure. their own. Yeah. yeah, they're a protective city. It's also a city filled with scam and murder and fucking like some of the worst yeah, criminals but it's on like, earth. That's, but again, like that old school charm. Like very few casinos in Vegas operate the way that the old school. Probably none at all drugs, anymore. None of them exist anymore. But yeah. you heard about how great they were to the entertainers. Whereas yeah. now it's like, okay, you get a $20 stipend. You can use the employee uh, buffet. It's like. That shit didn't exist 20, 30 years, 30 no. years ago. I guarantee they no. really took care of entertainers. Well, you know, the movie Casino is unequivocally one of my favorite movies on earth. I've said it a million times. I fucking love that movie. And the line that he says when he's like, Vegas died, it's fucking Disneyland now. Yeah. You know? And it really is. I never was able to experience Vegas at that time, but I but I am fascinated with it. Mm-hmm. And now when you go, I was just there. And it's true. It's people with their fucking babies. Babies. Yeah. Babies. Yeah. On the strip at two in the morning. Yeah. And I, and I talk about it sometimes. I talked about it on stage there. I was like, oh, it's good to see all these future criminals and strollers. Like, <laughs> like, who the fuck would bring a child? Like, you have to be such a turd to bring a baby on the strip. And I'm not talking about like, 
I'm not making fun of someone's socioeconomic status. But you don't want a seven-year-old knowing you got to split aces. You know, it's like, like, but it's also the smoking, the prostitution, the drugs, like the the party element lifestyle. The kids don't need to be privy to at that young of an age. Yeah, is 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 such an obvious. Even the dumbest human would go. That's probably not a good idea to have my kid for that. To expose it to that, right? And it's not a money thing. That bothers me when someone's like, "Oh, you're making fun of someone because their income level." It's like, no, no, you 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 saved money to go to Vegas and you brought your family. Yeah. Bad idea. If you want to save your money and go to fucking Vegas, which I also think is a bad fucking idea because Vegas will take your fucking money. <laughs> yeah. Like if you if you don't have, make a lot of money, don't go to Vegas. Yeah. Don't go to fuck. Go to somewhere more culturally beneficial than the desert that steals your money. You know what I mean? Like take your fucking kids to like Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Take them yeah. somewhere with like history and a beach and cool things to see and sites and museums. It's like, I don't understand the culture of Vegas. I never will. Right. And I lived there for two months shooting a television show. And from now on, if it's a friend wants me to go to Vegas, mm-hmm. I'm there for liter- literally, mm-hmm. no joke, a day, a day. Right. It's 24 less. I usually fly in at 7 or 8 p.m. Right. Let's party, party, party. And I'm out the next afternoon. Right. Goodbye. Goodbye. I can't stay there. Yeah. I, I love the history of Vegas. I sure. love understanding like Keely Smith and Louis Prima doing those after hour cocktail lounge shows and yes. all the entertainers would come down. Um, I love hanging out on Fremont Street. Everybody goes to the strip. I go down to Fremont. Old I, Vegas. I love Old Vegas. Yeah. I love going to the Nugget. I love Binion's. I love uh, El Coyote, which is the oldest casino in Vegas, which is right. still there. Um, but I was just there and I, every night I went to the Griffin, which is down on Fremont. Yeah. And it's a rock bar and it's all the locals down there. And I've spent many you know, the last few years I've spent so much time in Vegas. So that's where I love going. And Evil yeah. Pie, Evil Knievel's, uh, I think it's his son that owns this pizza joint that's an homage to Evil Knievel. And it's all this memorabilia in there. That's and it's cool. New York style pizza. It's fucking great. But that's a, that, that is not the Vegas that people go to. The Vegas that no, I'm no, talking no, about yeah. is the fucking, you know, the Bellagio. And they stand outside and they see yeah, a like fountain. Yeah, like the six foot margaritas and, you know, <laughs> Sucking a huge plastic and, dick. Yeah. yeah. I, that Vegas is unique. My dad would go to Vegas every year. Mm-hmm. And um, and you looked at him from a window and off a deer blind. <laughs> yeah, once again, There's still staring. Plane, there Dad, you've always you're always leaving. <laughs> he would go for this thing for yeah. business, and he always wanted to go eat at a place called Piero's. Piero's is an old famous steakhouse. Do you know okay. that? It's no. an old mob steakhouse. It's still around. It's still there. Okay. Um, but I'll go there when I go, just because of my dad. Oh, that's And I'll nice. also go to. Um, there is a Thai food restaurant mm-hmm. way off the strip in a shitty strip mall that's like award winning. Right. Um, called uh, uh, fuck, fuck, and I didn't get to go this last time. It's one of my favorite places. But I'll I'll, I'll think about it and I'll and I'll say what it is. But those are the two spots that I love to go because they're not associated with Vegas. Right. But I just living in the I lived in Caesars. So it was just oh, hard. Nice. It yeah. was just hard to like. Yeah, it's tough to. It be fucked there. me up. Yeah. It fucked me up because all I saw every day was, you know. The same kind of culture coming and going every yeah. single week. The coolest days are Tuesdays. Tuesdays on the strip are the best because people are gone, people are just leaving. Yeah. Yes, it's only locals. People are just leaving or just coming on Wednesday. Yeah. So there's this weird dead day, like completely dead day. It's beautiful. Right. It's such like an eye-opening like window to the world of actual Vegas, mm-hmm. and you really do get to like see Vegas culture, especially when you get off the strip. But nobody yeah. is there. Really, Tuesday is like the one day where I'm like, holy shit, this is just for them. Yeah. Like, it's just literally like their little town for like one or two days. And then Wednesday night rolls around. And- you ever been to Peppermill? 
that diner? No, no, but I've heard about it a hundred times. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard Especially about if it. You love casinos. They, I do. Like, I like. So I, I, I listen. There's things about the world of Vegas that I love, but yeah. those specifics set me off. Why can't I think of the fucking name of that Thai place? <laughs> say, say it. It's called. Say it. Say it. It's called. What is the Thai place? Say it. Say it, Steve. You know it. Me? Come on, I don't you know, know it. it. I don't say it. Know it. Just I... tell me the fucking Thai place in Las Vegas. It's off the fucking strip. Watch. Bung Bung Pow. A Bung Gung Kao? No. I just it's made it up. Thai. It's called um whatever. Fucking Tofu I'm really you. annoyed. No. Whatever. I'm really yeah. mad. And I'll find it and I'll be like, I can't believe I didn't fucking think of that. The anyway. minute I walk out of your house today, yeah, I'm gonna yell. I'm gonna yell. Steve! Yeah. Steve! <laughs> you you cr- you crash. <laughs> Cop. Um I want to make an. I want to make a very, uh, very quick jump transition into something yeah, yeah. else because I want to talk to you about this now that we're in the heat of the moment of our passionate podcasting. Oh yeah, this is very. You have a documentary that is, and I'm and I'm honestly like I don't want to placate. I hate doing that. It's one of the best documentaries I've seen in a long time. I watch a mil. I'm on Netflix on my fucking iPad yeah. every flight every week, and I'm watching something, and so many of them don't hold up, or they just don't have something to grab onto. You have a documentary about the amazing Jonathan, uh, and the documentary is called "Always Amazing." Always amazing. Yeah. Um, amazing Jonathan. For people that don't know, is an incredible magician, comedian, performer. It's he's not really boxable. He 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 kind of did yeah. everything, right? He wasn't he was a magician, yeah, but he was very much a comedian, for sure. And I remember watching his Comedy Central special. Uh, I got it. Which what year was it? You know, I, you probably know better than I do. Uh. Yeah, I'd have to think. I probably probably two thousand somewhere in the very that very area. beginning of two thousand, yeah. right? Yeah. I was I thought ninety nine, but could have been two thousand. And I remember thinking, this is a guy that I'm not jealous of because I, I I pined as a kid to be a comedian. Mm-hmm. I was just blown away by. Yeah, I was like, I'm not I'm not like fuck. I wish I I wish I was that funny. It was more like, wow, I can't believe someone is that funny at that very specific thing. Yeah. Because he was so funny with magic, but it wasn't like anything I'd ever seen. It he was, wasn't cheesy. No, it was it, it was actually very meta. It mocked it was cheesy making fun magic. Of it, but he was also making fun of himself. But yeah, yeah it, like the tricks didn't work, but then they did. They did work. That's yeah. why they didn't work. And it's so fucking... He would hit his assistant in the face with stuff. Yeah. I thought that was always so funny. It's like, it's, like, <laughs> it's always this beautiful woman. And it's so kind of diminutive towards female culture to, you know, like the, the, the assistant, like the dumb bimbo that's yeah. like, I'm just here to help. And so <laughs> his assistant would play that up, right? She would sure. she'd go, hello. And she'd be in huge heels and be kind of the hyperbolized version of an assistant. And he would make a bigger fool of her yeah. for the joke. Yeah. But it was so funny to watch to watch him work out these inside baseball kind of jokes but they were broad enough for some reason like it was almost like meta but literally anybody who watched it could laugh yes you didn't have to understand comedy or magic to right. laugh that's how good it was yeah and he look he was very successful at what he did and i think because of everything you're saying is why he was a national headliner he was he was like he had like russell peter's calendar you know he was global kind he was of constantly touring yeah and then he got tired of the road after 20 plus years and Decided to be a Vegas headliner and bunked up at the Nugget and actually broke Sinatra's record for most sold-out shows. What? At the Nugget, yeah. Does he still hold the record? 
I believe he still holds the record. Because yeah, he's had to have been probably one of the last ones to, right? What's that? He's probably one of the last ones to perform that many times at the Nugget. I think so, yeah. I don't know. I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you he's there right now. Yeah, I don't know. See, that's the other thing is I don't know yeah. anymore. I mean, there's got, I mean, you know. But he was also instrumental in bringing people downtown again because downtown was a ghost town. Right. And his Comedy Central special blew up. And then he went to the Nugget and he drew a much younger demographic downtown right. and then started, he was, he's not the reason, but he's one, he's a part of the reason of this resurgence in downtown Vegas. Sure. Because it was, really took a hit. Vegas was dying, dying in that part. The strip was so profitable. And I think just, unless you really loved like that other version of Vegas, Correct. you would not go. You wouldn't go. Tour, no tourists go. would never go. But then he gave them... A reason. a reason to come down. Yeah. And again, it was selling out and occupancy rates were going up through the roof. And uh, it's kind of funny because when in the film, Jonathan talks about having a suite at the Nugget. Yeah. My buddy Carlos, uh, Big Daddy Carlos, who who owns the Velvet Margarita Big down here. Big Daddy Carlos. Big Daddy Carlos, who owns the Velvet Margarita. <laughs> he's 5'4", 140 on pounds. On <laughs> <laughs> But he, he's part, well, he owns Fremont Country Club and uh, Backstage Bar and Billiards down in Fremont. He's staying in the exact same room Jonathan stayed in. Wow. So when I interviewed Joel, Joel's like, oh my God, I'm in Jonathan's suite. And Jonathan, I did the interview and I was like, oh, this is kind of meant to be. This is kind of cool. Wow, that's What beautiful. are the chances of all that? Because we were going to film it, it at the Nugget and then Carlos goes, just use my room. And when I, I was like, okay, I don't know what room it was. And then when Joel walked in, he's like, this is Jonathan's room. Oh, it's wow. crazy. So it's nuts. And we have pictures of, the, of, of Jonathan's room in the dock. And it's the exact same space. Wow, so that's yeah. fucking insane. Nuts. I never did that. So, how did you? What is your relation to what, with Jonathan? And why was the why was the documentary so like important for you to do? Why were you like right. I gotta fucking make this? So, when I first was in New York City, I was I was just I was a New York comic, and then I got offered to do the road with this with my agent at the time, Roger Paul, who was great to me. He said, "Hey, take two weeks down to Charlie Goodnights." I was like, why two? He's like, because you can make money that way. If it's just one, you'll lose all your money going right. down there and coming back. So the first week was Brian Regan, which every night I was like, holy shit. It's like a young comic. You're like, this guy's fucking amazing. Then Jonathan comes in and I was like, what the fuck is this? I mean, just blown away at the creativity and the makeshift of it all. And then his a man, his, his road manager was Joel Osborne, who was around my age. Yeah. And Joel is a huge Oasis fan. So we started talking Oasis. We're trading bootlegs and hanging out all night, and all three of us. And then... I got BET's Comic View a few months later and I crashed Jonathan's place in Marina Del Rey. Got it again a few months later, crashed Jonathan's place in LA. And that's how we all kind of got to know each other uh, and hang that out. That was the beginning of the relationship. So when Jonathan was given the terminal diet, he was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy, which is a degradation of your heart. So you think he's at 40% capacity. His wow. heart is operating. So that's 60% of his heart is dead. So Mine's totally dead, by the he, way. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's been this dead helps. for years. This yeah, helps. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he basically retired from stand-up, retired from performing, and told and gave everybody a nice send-off saying, I'll see you on the other side. You know, I got my affairs in order. Good night, yeah. everybody. And was prepared to die. He outlived expectations, and three years later, he said, I'm going to see if I still have it. Can I still do it? And he announced these three shows, and I thought, what a great uh, conduit into telling his story, but then also there's a finish line to this, and that's a doc I'd like to see. Being a documentary fan like yourself, I was right. like, I'd like to see that. And then I thought, well, fuck it, I'll just make it. And so I called my buddy, 
who had who was really good with cameras. I said, can you come and be a DP and let's just do this? And so we scrapped it all together, went out, filmed it. And um, Jonathan's the face of it, but the heart of it is Joel Osborne. And every year he went back to Australia, this 12-year-old kid would be outside getting, can I have your autograph and yeah. teach me this magic? And year after year, he'd, he'd keep come back and this kid was there and he's just enamored with him. And he eventually took him under his wing. And when Joel turned 18, he said, will you be my road manager? And as you saw in the film, Joel, I mean, you take an 18-year-old kid and you, you put him on tour with a drug addict. He saw him through a nasty divorce, Oof. a suicide attempt, yeah. all the crazy shit. And Joel got Jonathan's life in order, went to Australia, became a comedian on his own. And then when Jonathan made the return to the stage, Joel come back to open for him. So it kind of all came full circle. Yes, it did. A lot of story beats that kind of worked out really well. But um, Does Joel I, live in the States now? Joel is in Australia, and it's funny because the girl that's interviewed in it, Erica Van Lee, yes. who is Jonathan's road manager after Joel left, Joel came back to the States to hang out and you know feature for me, and I would do some interviews with him, so he's here for a month. I set up a goddamn comedy jam down in Las Vegas. I was yeah. like, Joel, you got to do this because he's a big music guy as well. So I brought the show down there, put Joel on it. Erica and Penny, Jonathan's former assistant, came, and Erica... And Jonathan or Erica and Joel hooked up that night, and now they're engaged. Oh my god! Is that crazy? That's wild, <laughs> yeah. dude. That's fucking wild. Previous road manager uh, and new road manager. Yeah. Now in love. And Still dealing with the uh, the, the after effects, the after of, effects Jonathan. of Jonathan. So they bond over that, I'm sure. And because when you stories. when you watch the documentary, I highly suggest you do it. it I, I genuinely, I wouldn't promote it if I didn't believe in it. Like I would just be well, like, thank you. It, it, it's I would have lied to you somehow and been like, yeah, man, you can come on the podcast, but I don't want to promote <laughs> some bullshit. Yeah. Um. But it 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 was so good because it was just um. Even if you hated comedy, right? I say this all the time to comedy fans that are sometimes that are like, well, it's it's very much a thing for comics. This is a thing that you will just enjoy from a perspective of watching an entertainer kind of go through it very honestly, by the way, very candidly say some things He's in very there. blunt. Yes, he is very honest about the ups and downs of his whole life. He doesn't really hide anything. He's very truthful about his mistakes, which I think is super relieving uh, as a viewer to be like, oh, that's cool that he's not like, you know, sometimes you watch these documentaries about famous people or people that had a huge rise or a hu- and or a huge fall, mm-hmm. and then they always make them seem like they're fucking flawless. You know, oh, yeah, like this like, is not that. like this is no this is no <laughs> shit on this is no shit on Quincy Jones. But Rashida made a documentary about Quincy, her father. Right. It's great, okay, because Quincy Jones is one of the greatest music producers in the history of our fucking world. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I, period. They made him kind of seem like this forever perfect guy. Right. Well, you read all this other stuff. That's a little bit more honest. I know it's his daughter. Sure. She does try to paint him a little bit in a light that's truthful and sometimes, mm-hmm. but you're like, come on, man. Like, I know, I've heard yeah. some of the fucking stories and I'm not even in the business. I'm not yeah. even in the music business. So I like that he was very blunt about his shortcomings, about his missteps, like about his addiction, about his divorce, about his drug use, about his continued struggle with yeah. not wanting to fucking get his life together or trying to barely do enough to get by. It was just relieving to watch honesty. It was just honesty of a man's life. I mean, it just said a lot. No, know? I appreciate it. And, and that's, that, that was something I said to Jonathan up front from the beginning. I was like, look, let's just have this warts and all. He's like, yeah, I don't have anything to hide. And so he's very of the mindset of like, I lived the life I wanted. I don't give a shit. He still does drugs. He still... Right. I, was just gonna, I, I didn't want to ruin it, but he does... Right. He, he still yeah. openly does drugs. And to be honest with you, the doctor said, if you stop, you're gonna, your body will go into shock. So, right, so but it's, it's interesting because like him, Jonathan and Joel are both 
emotionally a little more introverted and recluse. Right. Um, and so there's a moment in the film where I was like, I got to get something where I get these guys to divulge some aspect of their relationship with each other because I'd ask them questions separately and they were never really forthcoming about how mm. wonderful each guy was to each other. They're, they're, they're kind of stoic, like proud guys, like 50 guys, 50s guys or something, you know? Yes. They like, do. Get the kitchen woman. And, you yeah. know, <laughs> I want my snake medium. Like there's that old school mentality that these guys had. Not that they're like that, but... But um, so I was flying to Vegas and I'd read this thing about this uh, exercise people did where they wrote a letter, but instead of s sending it to them, they'd knock on somebody's door and read them the letter. Ah. And it was very cathartic for a lot of people that had, you know, a real emotional bond with somebody that meant something to them. So it was the last day we were filming and I said, look, you guys got to write a letter to each other, but we're going to read it on, on camera. And Joel was like... Joel's game. He's like, all right, okay, I'll do it. And Jonathan kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. I go, Jonathan, Sounds like a comedian, you gotta by the do way. me one fucking, you gotta do this. And I said, we're doing it at five, you gotta fucking show up at five. He's like, all right, all right. And they showed up at five and he did it. And and I remember the first time when we were cutting it, when you're putting it all together, um, I got emotional because I know them also too. Yeah. And I, I saw them actually like opening. As a friend, I was like, this. finally you fuckers are doing this. Right. It just so happens we're doing it on a camera too. But for so long, they had never really expressed those things to sure. each other. And I thought that they needed to as a friend and also for the film, which was right. great. And it was, so they it's great did, for the fucking film. It was, it, thank God. Thank God it worked out. But that's one of those things that you kind of, you know, people don't understand what a producer or a director does. Oftentimes, they just kind of think, there's a lot of ignorance, I think, and, and, and honestly so. It's not like it's a negative thing, but people don't really know what a producer mm -hmm. does or director does. But to produce a documentary and or direct it, you really have to... You really have to tell the. You really have to mold the story. You're not. Sure. You're not manipulating the truth, but you need to really dig it the fuck out. And so that's just digging it the fuck out. Like you guys really need to like tell the truth of your life. Yeah. Because even you in, know, uh, in, in the in the case of storytelling, you know, one of the things that was difficult about this film when we were putting it together and assembling it was when do we let the audience know there's trouble in paradise? When sure. do we reveal that Jonathan, because there's a lot of there's a lot of people that don't know who Jonathan is that yep. may like docs that stumble across us. So when do we reveal the terminal diagnosis? And my thought was always put it right at the beginning, get, get it, it out, out and then you yeah. get to know him and then you build to it. Right. And what we found was in all these test screenings we did was um, the best way to do it was teasing some impetus of something happening mm. and then revealing it at, at our midpoint. And right. Our editor, Brian Getz, who's phenomenal, he did the uh, Steve Bannon documentary that just came out at Sundance. He did uh, the Roger Stone one that's on Netflix. Jesus. He edited ours. I just watched that. He put this together and he, when he formatted that way and then we went and did some test screenings, it was like, fuck, that's, he did a great job. So yeah. I owe him a, a he huge did do a great job. gratitude. Yeah. It was just too bad he couldn't cut out your voice out of the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I hate hearing my voice. No, but it, I was like, it, I, it's so funny. It's, it's just, it was interesting to watch it because knowing you. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like when you can like when you hear your buddy on a thing, you're like, yeah, it's my buddy. You know, you like <laughs> it. Just it's hard to take. It's it, it's almost like one of those things where you. It's almost impossible to not see you when I hear you. But when yeah. I watch other documentaries, it's the voice almost sound. They almost always sound the same. It's almost like it's the same woman or the same guy. It's like the DJ unless you know who it is. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Come on, guys. It's, yeah. yeah, coming to Destiny. <laughs> they're all they're all Josh Adam Myers. You know, hey, you're coming to the stage. But it, but it's just one of those things when you know someone that's in it, you're like, oh my god! Like the other night, I saw a preview for a movie, and uh, what was it fucking for? I don't, I don't whatever it was, but the oh, Men in Black, 
And, um, you know, the small creature was Kumail Nanjiani. Mm-hmm. And Kumail's voice is, uh, you know, recognizable most likely now to the whole country. But, yeah. you know, I've known him for a long time. Sure. And when you hear it, you're like, that's so funny. Because I just... You you don't see the thing. Well, you, you see, the, you see you Kumail see him, that yeah. you know instead of the Kumail that... Sure, yeah. What, whatever. But that's just a part of the trope of the business. But I just think... Uh, I think it was, it was cool because there was a lot of moments... First of all, you're very. I'm not going to suck your dick about it, but uh, pull your dick out. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I. But it was very. You were very um, removed. I. I fucking loathe when a documentary filmmaker makes themselves a big highlight of the film. I fucking hate them too. It bothers me so fucking much that I'm like, it's not about you. Why yeah. are you making it about you? You wanted to make this piece about this thing, this story. Exactly. And when you interject your life so heavily into it, I'm not. You can sprinkle your relationship, which you didn't do, by the way. You right. didn't even tell your story that. Yeah, exactly. Which, by didn't the way, you you definitely could have. It would have been great. For sure, I could have. But yeah. people do such an injustice to a move to a documentary when they do that that I'm like, nope. <laughs> I get so mad. I see it all the time because it's just such like jerking jerking yourself off when you're just like, and you know, and then I went to the. It's like it's not about you, dude. Why did then just make yeah. it a fucking biopic about you? Yeah. But I'm glad you didn't do that. I hate when they interject themselves into these things. Right. Like there was one I just saw. I think it was like Jack of all trades about the baseball card industry. It was oh, about yes. top trading cards. Yes, top so cards. Like, yeah. I rented. I, I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, this is about the baseball card industry. This is this is phenomenal. I nope. get to learn about the Ken Griffey and all that. This is right. great. And I watched it, and then boom, they flip the cameras on them. It becomes a film about him and his dad. And I'm like, motherfucker, I got yeah. duped again. Yeah. And I fucking turned it off. I just watched this thing on Frontline. I fucking love Frontline. It's a yeah. great docu series. They right? are good. On, on PBS. And it was the one about uh, Charlottesville, about hate. And they do the typical voiceover, all the news footage. It's like, oh, I'm going to learn something here. Ken Burns, yeah. Flump, flips it around. Nope, gone. And, you know, he's this bald Latino. It's like, uh, I, I, let me guess what side you're on here. So <laughs> I was just like, get the fight. Just, I hate that shit. Yeah. I hate By the it. way, it'd be great if some Latino dude was like, I'm basically an alt right fucking uh, leader. <laughs> he's like, down with Brown, those fucking pieces of shit. <laughs> but I, the flipping is, uh, that's also part of the reason why, and this is not even a, from a political standpoint, but mm-hmm. I hated um, Michael Moore's documentary documentaries because they were so fucking uh, self-promoting it was all about him it was always about yeah. him it, it, I understand his messages like I got why he, I got why he became popular sure uh, but it was always he always he always put himself in it, it was he's just, the best version of doing that though I think yeah sure sure he that's why he did so well and he he does parlay the information in a really humorous informative way and there's yes. other people that are just so self-righteous that yes, like, yes yes get yes. the fuck out of my life right at least at least have some sense of fucking humor if you're gonna do it, it it's also yeah. why like uh you know uh, it's why that morgan spurlock guy kind of same thing when he started doing documentaries the super size me and all that stuff he was very self-deprecatory and i think that helped his case all the time sure, that's why yeah. people loved him because it was like oh this guy's gonna shit on himself on uh, and then give us facts too yeah I think people just, it's endearing. It's endearing to watch someone do that if you're going to be a part of the thing. Right. But then um, like Alex Gibney, yeah, I think somebody yeah. like that, it's just like, dude, will you get off the fucking soapbox? Stop beating your chest. Thank God for you. It's, it's like, just the, the, it's just a, it's just like a mirror. It's such an obvious like mirror of them yeah. being like, and this, and I'm the reason that this, you're like, we know, we yeah. fucking, we fucking get it. So tell, where can people see the documentary in full? Uh, so they can see it? see it right now for free on YouTube. Go to YouTube, totally type free. in Always Amazing. It's free. It's on the All Things Comedy channel. Yeah. Um, I had a decision to make where, you know, when it's a passion project, you're sinking money into it, and mm. then the money starts to spiral out of control. It's like, yeah. all right, well, you want that HBO special with a John Candy host, and we got to go convert that into a higher resolution. It's just right. like, 
fuck, okay, we got to do that. Then it's like, oh, you got to bake it to get the best. It's like, okay, how much is fucking that? And yeah. then you got to go to Detroit and get all the archival Detroit, footage. Uploading fuck. that and all this shit, right? Yeah. So so basically, I, I, I could get a nominal return and people could rent it on iTunes or Amazon. But I thought instead of getting back like a third of what I put into this, for me, it's my first film. I'm passionate about it. I love the story. I want people to see it. I want right. it to be visible. I want it to be accessible. And so when I talked to the guys at All Things Comedy... It was one of those things I was just pitching them. Would you guys be interested? And they said, absolutely. Don't even, yeah. Burr and Madrigal? And, yeah. yeah. And it was yeah. just like off to the races. And, you know, it, I'm just so excited. I think it's a great home for it. I think it's great branding for it. And I think that it's just a great opportunity to tell the story. It's a great experience as a first-time filmmaker to do it, too. So I, I just, and I appreciate well, the, I think, I think the support it's, from the community, from guys like you to have me on these podcasts to help get the word out because it means course. everything to me. Well, dude, I, 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 I listen, again, it's like, when things are not good, I think everyone kind of quietly. Well, you've always is like, been blunt, so <laughs> a little, little trepidatious when, when, when I say like I'm like when things are not good. No, well, when things are not good, I ju- I kind of just I'm actually honest when I don't. When a buddy sends me something, yeah, um, I try my best to be very honest with you. Uh, you know, if I like you as a human, it's like I want to be like you know, it didn't really click for me, but but, but it is more helpful. I'll tell you this, yeah, because I'm 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 in the editing process right now. The opening act, that feature I wrote about mm-hmm. my earlier mm-hmm. stand-up, and Someone like you is extremely helpful in those situations because the things that are working, you kind of know what's working from the test screenings. Yeah. The things that aren't working are the things you got to solve and figure out and crack. Right. And it's people like you, I think, that come in with a, a real blunt opinion. It's like, oh, fuck, thank you. I yeah. need to know that because you don't Otherwise, you be get your told dick sucked all the time. You, you release a piece of shit. Yeah. yeah and I, that's a habit of our culture, of our, of our comedy community and, and the entertainment world is like, it's brilliant. It's great. It's, the people throw those fucking words around so much. It's a nauseating. Like, yeah. no, it, like some, you need a check down. And honestly, you're, you're closest. I was talking to a buddy of mine today and we were kicking around ideas for this new project we're working on. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just so nice to have a real... He happens to be a Chicago guy too, but it's just, you know, like, it's so nice to have a real person who just goes, uh, I don't know, but, it, yeah. but not mean about it. Just goes, I don't know. And even just a slight, like maybe yeah. makes you go, oh fuck, maybe. Okay. Let's rethink it because yeah. there's people at the top that hear yes all the time. And that's a big reason why I just think there's a lot of dog shit. Up. Yes. There's yeah. so much shit. And also very talented people inherently end up making a lot of bad shit because no one's telling them no. Everyone's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like, it happens in comedy specials. It happens in film. It happens in everything when you're like, nobody fucking said don't do that. Like, you don't have, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have one good friend that, yeah. that goes, bro, that was garbage. Like, yeah. I need, I want someone to go, you know, I don't, I don't want everyone <laughs> I don't want all my friends to be like that's that was you sh- you suck fuck you because yeah, that's of course yeah that is every friend from Chicago back home it's, it's like you suck you're not funny fuck yeah. you and you're like okay guys <laughs> it'd be nice to hear like one person say a nice thing yeah. you know what I mean but that's why you have to have some sort of balance to that so I I, I honestly think people go to YouTube go watch uh, go watch it um, it's it's again it's it's uh, it's solid I don't want I don't want to push it too much and again uh, the amazing Jonathan but it's called. Always amazing. amazing. Always amazing. I'm sure you can find uh, both. If you say the amazing Jonathan, it'll it'll come up. It'll too. come up. Yeah. yeah. The, the reason it's called always amazing is because uh, uh, Letterman uh, he he told the story. It was a deleted scene. We we couldn't end up using it because we you know there's always so much you can use. But yeah. Letterman um, had him on, and then I think Jonathan like made a bet with a DJ. Like he'll give somebody the finger at home. So he did one of these, 
and Letterman saw it after they'd filmed it and banned him from the thing. Wow. So for years, Jonathan never went back to Letterman. And then years later, Letterman like let up the embargo, invited Jonathan back. It was like the last two years Letterman's on the air. And, and as Jonathan is walking out to do his set, he looks over at Dave to wave and Dave gives him the finger, which, <laughs> thought, was, which I thought was kind of cool. But John, David introduced him as this guy is always amazing. And uh, it's the amazing Jonathan. And I thought Perfect. knowing Jonathan's diagnosis and who knows how much Wick is left with him yeah. and his career and him being with us, I just thought that's such a fitting title. Oh, my God. Is it ever? That's a great fucking story. I'm glad that I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sad that didn't make it. Letterman's known for that kind of shit, though. You know, like yeah. he... He banned, uh, 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 what's his name from, from kids? Har- uh, Harmony, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. He could, he banned the shit out of him cause he was like, he was on drugs the first time or whatever. Same thing. Crispin Glover. Have you ever watched those? I did watch if, the Harmony yeah. ones. Somebody put all three of them together. Right. And watch, story, watch yeah. Crispin Glover. Do you ever watch him? I saw when he, didn't he kick, almost kick him or yeah, something? He almost kicked him in the head. Yeah. yeah. It was, it's phenomenal. He's, and the second time he comes back and he's doing another character study. It's amazing. Crispin Glover is wildly talented at disappearing into character and yeah. I think people didn't give him credit back then I think they kind of thought he was just like being a fucking weirdo he was really like being the character of the show he was promoting yeah that was his whole goal which I think was how fucking cool and over the years people did it less and less because now late night talk shows have become so fucking bleached down to like this cleanest version of like be the robotic guy that you're supposed to be now what yeah. are you promoting you know Galifianakis was on um Kimmel and uh, he played I, his twin brother. Yeah, I right? dude, I love so watching fine. him because he he does it in a way that's not condescending. He just does it as like I'm just this is all fake, right? Like we know this is fake. I yeah. mean, I, it's not breaking the fourth wall. It's just like it's pointing at it, being like, isn't this fucking ridiculous? Well, I think he's he's like a comics comic in the way that I think most comedians go into something going. How do I deconstruct the reality of this and right. make it break it in layman's terms for the audience to go fuck this? Right, and I think that's what he's he's great at that. Yeah, I think he he, he has such a good talent at mocking himself. Yeah, uh, like like something simple. He had a hole under his armpit. There was a hole in the armpit of a sweater, and Kimmel made a comment about it. And he's like, I did that just because I wanted to come out and do a wave, and I wanted you to know that I'm a guy's guy, like I'm a regular man. <laughs> But it was, it, was, it was something so like simple throwaway, like that just, he just, you know, spit out because Jimmy made yeah. a, just like a little joke, but he has that thing in spades. Sure. That, 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 that I think is what exists in our community that still keeps comics earnest in those worlds. Yeah. Because otherwise, you know, again, you become the reason I think what you just said about the Jonathan thing about the, otherwise you become a part of the industry and you never really... You never really get to be yourself at some point. Sometimes you yeah. become, and this is no attack on Kevin Hart, but Kevin Hart is, made his career being an industry machine, and good mm-hmm. for him. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, I don't really know who Kevin Hart is. Right? Do you know? What I, mean? I have no fucking idea who he. I know in just that documentary. Yeah, I know who Jonathan is. I know who right, he is right. a lot. You know what I mean? Like I know who, I know who Zach is. I mean, as far as I know, from the from the public eye or what I've known from him on a comedy level. But like, you really get to know comics in these forums because they're able to just fucking vomit it all out and be like, I don't right. care. You know that I, I'm sorry that this is me, but this is who I am yeah. versus actors. Oftentimes you go on these shows and you're like, I have no fucking idea who that guy is. Yeah. Like I have, I have no idea what he's into unless he's Nick Offerman from the off from parks and rec. And he's like, I build boats. And you're like, okay, I know the guy builds wood <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Like otherwise yeah. you're just another dude that I have no, fu- I have no idea about. So, I think that it's highlighted that you highlighted that in the documentary too about 
the comedic lifestyle of like guys like that can't hide at no, some point. You know what no. I mean? Well, I think, you know, I, I think it's funny you bring that up. I'm not trying to parlay this into it, but when I was writing the opening act and like when it comes out, I think that people are going to be really exposed to to the three tiers of what it means to be a stand-up. You're either an MC or feature or a headliner. Right. And there's archetypes of each one of them. And I think that when we've exposed it to a handful of comedians at the end of these test screenings, towards the end of the run of the test screenings, and they're like, man, it's really authentic. It's what it's really like on the road. But they're very complimentary in terms of um, of what each one represents. Right. Which I, to me, was an, an immense compliment. So I, again, when this thing comes out, everybody will be able to judge for themselves. But I think I did a good job in terms of, of really expressing... I, I've never seen a stand-up film where I watched it going, that's what it's like. Yeah. I've never seen that. Yeah, it's too like, hard. This is, that, that was always the goal for me. And I may hit the mark. I may miss the mark. It's up to the audience. And once it's released, it's up to everybody else to decide. Right. But what I got so far from comedians, I think, I think we're close on that. And it's I think a really that, hard thing, man. Yeah. That's such, I mean, you know, I, I lived it day in and day out when we did I'm Dying Up Here. Of like, oof, it was tough to like not... Uh, you know, to be like, is this, uh, this is, I'm a comedian. I, this isn't kind of what it's like. And it, it's, right. it's really hard to encapsulate it. I think it's really hard. I think to in like, 90 minutes, it's really difficult. Oh but my God. I, that's why I did, I, I did it over the course of four days. Yeah. It's one weekend. That's it. Yeah. So it's all the ups and downs. It's partying. It's repercussions. It's all Sitting that. in the hotel by yourself, being sad and jerking off into yeah. a towel for the eighth time. Over and over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just drape a towel over my torso and my head and I just sit there and come quietly. As, as, I mean, honestly, until the show starts. I love, do you, do you know Ted Alexandro? <laughs> yeah. He, one of the best lines I've heard from a comedian about being a comedian is like, I forced myself on myself. <laughs> that's such a great line that it's is like, so good oh, we don't want to do this oh fuck, we're gonna do it yeah the amount of stuff that we do because we think we're supposed to yeah or because it's the right thing to do or it's a part of the game it is crazy to think people just think yeah, there is no sacrifice and there really fucking is there yeah. really is and sometimes it gets the best of us i mean that's yeah. why people succumb to drugs and alcohol a lot of comics get sure. deep in it and it's like you got to have some kind of anchor. I don't care what it is. I used to tell this to a younger comedy friend of mine. When we first were kind of on the rise together. I was like, we got to have some kind of anchor. Otherwise, we're going to lose our fucking minds. Because yeah. I saw older guys that were just off into the deep end where I was like, oh my God, he got a little bit of money and they lost his fucking brain. Sure. And it, and that's what happens. You do get a little bit of money and you if there's nothing to give you any kind of weight at the bottom, you float and you kind of lose it and you become you can kind of become a fucking either a piece of shit or you can blow it all. Yeah, the way I always looked at it was like imagine working like in the Ford Motor Plant in the 60s and your job is to just do that every day of your yeah. fucking life. You're going to lose your fucking mind. For totally. 30 years, you're just doing this shit. Yeah. yeah. But I think eventually you got to expand your horizons. You got to do that for a year or two. Then it's like, you know, I want to learn something over there. I want to I want to learn this thing, you know? And then yeah. year by year, you're learning it all. And now you know exactly how that car is built and you leave that plant. You're like, fuck, I did everything. And I know every aspect of it. And I think with stand-up... And you still can't afford that car. You still can't afford... <laughs> <laughs> That's the saddest part. That's so fucking Why funny. can't I have these cars? <laughs> but you're right. You need to continue the... To, to change and sh- if you if you were going to jump away from stand up if you're going to jump out of this business yeah what would you do which I've contemplated many times yeah, well the last name few years. a comic that hasn't um, I would say that you know I what I discovered in doing the doc and then writing this film is I wrote the film as an exercise to see if I could just even do it yeah and then it came to fruition so 
now when I'm on the road, I just try to be as productive and creative as possible yeah. and think of like, what, what would I like to tell now? What story would I like to do now? So I don't know. The directing thing's pretty fun. It's, it's you like it. ambitious. It's extremely, it's the most work I've ever done in my life. And unfortunately for me, the timing was that they both kind of happen at the same time. Yeah. So, you know, I'm fucking zapped, but I, I thoroughly enjoy both forms, both mediums of sure. film. But I, I would definitely do it again in a heartbeat. It would, well, I mean, it, it, it's 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 dope. Uh, and it goes without saying uh, that I support you because well, you. Uh, I do. I think you're wonderful. And there's you, mutual respect here, by the way. Well, it doesn't need yeah. to be. I'm not. There's no need for me. I'm going to be out of here soon. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just say something nice at the comedy store funeral for me. Okay, yeah. I think about That's how fucking disgustingly uh, egomaniacal I can become as I'm I'm always like, I wonder what they're going to say about me at the fucking yeah. store. I wonder who's going to get the best laugh at my funeral. <laughs> <laughs> like I wonder who's gonna tell the best fucking you know what Santino did joke like I I, I think about that of all the because yeah. as a comic you can't die um, no comic will ever die um, with like complete humility and peace like you're going to get sh- this sh- shit oh, jokes yeah. talked about like it's just a part of our world oh, which yeah. is so nice thank God yeah you know but it's also I think about that it was like as much as we talk about each other you're like what are these cunts gonna say about me when I'm dead? <laughs> Please say something fucking nice. Um, are you on the road right now? Yeah. Okay. You want to plug some dates that you're touring? Brea, Nashville, Raleigh. Uh, Brea, everything. Nashville, Raleigh. Where can where people go to what? Just go to Steve Burn Live. Everything Steve, I have Steve is Steve Burn Live at Steve Burn Live Twitter at Steve Burn Live Instagram at Steve Burn Live Facebook. Steve Burn Live is the website and literally just go to YouTube type in always amazing and okay. you watch the film for free and if you share it with your friends I'd greatly appreciate it please do uh, we'll put we'll put it where in the description below um, we are I'm gonna link um, always amazing I'll, I'll link all of Steve's stuff go go see him live he is fucking incredible um, I appreciate you coming and bringing me booze by the way thank you for this you yeah. brought me liquor I should I should have shown it to the audience but you brought me a bottle of it's gentleman Jack is that what it is I, I just know it's Jack. I don't know if it's Gentleman I think it, Jack, it looked like a Gentleman yeah. bottle, uh, but it's engraved with the Blackhawks. 2010. Uh, 2000, that's yeah. so nice, man. Yeah. That's really, really sweet. Well, you, you. I, well, I know you're a hardcore hockey fan. Huge hockey fan. Yeah, and I love hockey too, although I don't. I haven't been watching. I mean, I have been watching, but... The uh, greatest be, national begrudgingly. anthem I've ever heard in my life is before Blackhawks game. Oh, yeah. Hands down. I, I'll never forget that. I'm a pretty patriotic guy. I've done like a bunch of USO tours. My father, my brother served. All my uncles have served. I've never served. But I, you know, I'm just somebody that respects the flag. I respect yep. the anthem. I was in New York on 9-11. I know what it, I just, I, everybody's got an interpretation. You flew of one of the it, planes <laughs> in 9-11. You, you, yeah. yeah. You were the one yeah. that missed. I got out United 93. I just tucked and rolled in Shanksville, <laughs> Pennsylvania. I just, yeah, I walked back to Pittsburgh. Um, but you were in fucking New York during 9-11? I was in New York on 9-11. Yikes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. So it just it was pretty. But again, it's like that's the great thing about stand-up comedy is when you're involved in that environment, you realize, look, I think 9-11 was what rebooted stand-up comedy. Stand-up was kind of dying. Yeah. At the time, okay? It was definitely a lull. 9-11 happens, and I remember, like, myself, Dove Davidoff, Bill Burr, Bobby Kelly, Godfrey, Artie Foucault, like, this younger group of comics that were all in the city at the time. It's like, well, that was fun. I guess I got to get a real fucking job. Who's, who the fuck's going to come right. to Gotham tonight or the after cellar? that? Right. After that, when you right. can smell everything burning, drifting uptown. And so, I remember, it was three days, everybody's glued to the TV, right? And I think it was... Three or four days after that, the comedy seller was the first one to say, let's just see. And the, and it opens up, 
And ever since that day at the Comedy Cellar, the clubs have been packed ever since. Wow. Because I forgot, I was like, oh shit, people want an escape. People want yes. an excuse to laugh. And you got comics, I'll never forget, I think it was Pete Corielli did this great joke about you know, relatives wanting to come in and pay their respects to Ground Zero. So uh, he had relatives drive over and he just took them to a construction site on 72nd and 3rd. He's like, there it is. And they're like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like when you had all these New Yorkers that was like, it's so relatable because you yeah. had people that want to come down and pay respects, kind of crash with you. I want to see it. And it was just like, that was to me, it was like, all right. People always find a need to want to laugh no have matter to. how dire it gets. Have to. Well, dude, yeah. you see that when I travel the country. You're like, oh my God, these people need some release. They need a fucking release. Sure. And that's why I don't really blame. I don't love it when someone gets too fucked up at a show. Yeah. But there was a guy that was yelling so loud that was like in love. I mean, dude, shout out to this dude in North Carolina. He was a big <laughs> fan. He loved me. But like he was having too much fun. Yeah. He was having way too much fun. Because you're ruining the fun of other people. That's true. Yeah. But he was like, you could tell he was like, I fucking, I fucking love you, Cheeto. <laughs> I was like, I love you too, man. But you know, like, you're, you can't fucking, you know, you can't let our love supersede everybody else that paid to be here. Yeah. Uh, I, and sometimes I, I just don't blame that guy. I don't want to kick him out. I just want to be like, of dude, course. you gotta shut the fuck up, please. Because, you know, I, I get it. He probably is like, I've had people tell me, I've had fans tell me, my job sucks ass. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm single or I'm just out of a relationship or I'm a divorce, I'm, you know, divorced or like, you know, I have a tough time seeing my kids or I have all these things in my life mm -hmm. and then listening to the podcast or going to shows and fucking off feels yeah. like a huge fucking weight off their shoulders. Like it's like, ah, a release. Yeah. And they'll always need some kind of comedic release. So like, sure. you know, we'll keep uh, comedy jizzing all over you guys if you just open your legs up. You know what I mean? Just keep opening <laughs> up your... <laughs> Let me get sex fucking... Keep opening up, baby. Okay. No, I but I, but I think it's a, I think it's a good thing that... I think people are always going to need that. That's, but there's also been these waves of why comedy has continued to rise. Sure. I think I think 9/11. But I also think fucking Trump was a huge like a pep propeller. I think it just of, propelled of course, yes, yeah. people to have a better sense of humor about nonsense again because yeah. it invoked a lot of progr progress, mm -hmm. but it also invoked a lot of mocking of culture. Right. Like sure. naturally, when you have movements, you're going to have someone go, "All right, we have to talk shit about that." Yeah. Because you have to joke about these fucking He's things. He's been great for our industry. For yeah, sure. I, I've yeah. said it before. I, I think secretly somewhere Lauren Michaels is writing thank you letters to, to Donald Trump over and over. Because, <laughs> it, I mean, it's just so much rich material for that show. Saturday Night Live has well, been... Well, the minute he leaves office, whether it's via impeachment or if he gets reelected, whatever it might be, who knows what's going to happen. But the minute he leaves... Those ratings are going to tank on Daily Show, Colbert. Well, because what do you have? What, yeah. yeah, what do you have? What do you have if not? But uh, but that that's that's to be you know to be truthful, whoever is next, even if it is this fucking dude yeah. again, let's just say it's somebody else. There's always going to be room. <laughs> like there'll always be room, but not as not as uh, not as big. He's a pretty. He's a doozy. Yeah, he's a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How you think Trump? Better. You think Trump's going to have? You think Trump's going to have the kind of like um, post presidency love that like Bush got? It's interesting to think how much people hated Bush. Yeah. Not everybody, obviously. I just mean, it's funny how much people ragged on Bush in the pop culture comedy world. Same sure, thing, right? Sure, SNL sure. did a million bits, you know? Yeah. And he became this like, <laughs> this like chuckling dummy. Yeah. In the, but now it's like, he paints. We love him. He's funny again. It's so funny he's well, had I think this Trump like. Trump helped Bush. Totally, sure. totally. But yes. Look, history, that's up to history to judge. But according to everything I'm seeing, like even on Vice, we're not going to be here in 50 years. So who no, knows? No, we're dead. Yeah, yeah, we're totally dead. We're, Where we're do you want to die? Mars. Do you want to die in LA? Fuck no. Yeah, what a tough... What, Fuck no. Yeah. The, one of my biggest regrets is that my daughter's 
birth certificate says Los Angeles and not Chicago. Yeah, it's I was tough. so pissed because I was like, I want a time. Just fly back, Chicago. have them, and come back. Yeah, you can't fly with a kid then, though, right? It's kind of dangerous. Is it like well, bad? <laughs> knowing you, you fly private. Oh, Rich Bones Fuck over here, yeah, you know this me. guy's got yeah. three private jets. Yeah, three or four, right? Yeah, of course. I drive a Dodge. It's right outside. <laughs> I drive a Dodge. Yeah. The Dodge flies too now. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. Um, all right, go uh, go see the documentary, please. I'll link it again. I can't say it enough. It is so fucking cool. Thank you for coming. Thank you for the boost. Thank you. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Appreciate you. Oh, that creature in the ginger beard. Sturdy and ginger. Like vampires, the ginger gene is a curse. Gingers are beautiful. You owe me $5 for the whiskey and $75 for the horse. Gingers are hell no. This whiskey is excellent. Ginger. I like gingers.